0: Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the Back of the Range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the Back of the Range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 219. Well, I am fairly certain that my fall collegiate golf travels have come to an end. Nothing until next spring. But what a special time at the Williams Cup in Wilmington, North Carolina. As many of you know, the host school, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, were able to capture the team title led by David Ford and Austin Greaser, both former guests at the back of the range. And the individual title was captured by Trent Phillips from Georgia, also a former guest at the back of the range. His wire-to-wire six-shot victory, I mean, rounds of 64, 69, 68, Just incredibly impressive at Eagle Point. That golf course, by the way, was incredible as well. Um, I know that everyone's following me on Instagram. It's hard to take a bad photo at that place. And by the way, as you all know, there are so many fantastic talents in the amateur game right now. Lots of bombers out there that will just leave you dumbstruck when you see how far they hit it. Now, Trent moves it as well. I'm not trying to suggest that he dinks it out there 250 or anything like that. But if you want to watch one of the most creative and intuitive players in the amateur game, go watch Trent Phillips play golf. Incredible short game. He shapes it in both directions, plays fast. Just a, He's just so much fun to watch. This victory will move him up in the PGA Tour rankings. So before he turns pro, after the end of his career at Georgia, go to an amateur event and watch Trent play some golf. Now that I'm off the road, the episodes are coming fast and furious. There are so many spectacular ones on the way. One that I have been meaning to release for quite some time is this one that you're about to listen to, and it features the 2020 Massachusetts Amateur Player of the Year, Nick Macario. Nick is a friend of the podcast. Met him through Instagram as he has been following along since day one, and we would always joke and he would joke about, you know, what do I got to do to be a guest? You know, we met for the first time at the Jones Cup earlier this year. We spoke a lot about that. And then a few weeks ago, he made it all the way to the semis of the 2021 U.S. mid Amateur at Sankity. Now, not that he needed that finish to make it here as a guest on the back of the range, but it just seemed like the timing would be perfect to get his thoughts on his great year, how he approaches the game. You know, work-life balance is always very important for mid-ams. We talked about that extensively. As always, if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Make sure that you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. And again, all of those photos and videos that I create when I'm on the road, they can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm probably going to repurpose and repost a lot of the content that I created in the fall just as a kind of recap of the year. So go check that out when you have some time. With that being said, let's get right to it, Nick. You've made it to the back of the
1: range. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. It's about how, time. How?
0: See, see now, see, we're starting off on the wrong foot already. What do you mean about <laughs> time? Now, now you've been a you've been listening to this podcast for quite some time. That's actually how we first kind of got to know each other. And then, of course, there's the whole Jones Cup uh, uh, feast that we'll we'll get into later. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast and, and congrats on all your success uh, for people that, that only know who wins these U.S. mid Yes, Stuart Hagerstead did capture his second title, but semi uh, semifinalist dude. How, I mean, what's life been like after getting back home and getting back into the swing of things as, you know, uh, a working stiff? But uh, exactly. you, had quite, you had quite the week, didn't you?
1: Yeah, you know, it was great. It, starting off you know, knowing that you're exempt helped. I know we'll get into that, but you know, it's been, it's been phenomenal. You know, I've had people at work reach out coming back to the pile of emails was not so much fun. You know, it probably took me a couple hours to Destillion. to read through. What's in, yeah. 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 They don't, they're going to, they're not going to hear this. All uh, well, I just deleted them all. Um, so, it, but it's been a lot of fun. It's, you know, I've gotten some people to reach out from, you know, local, local newspapers, whatever it is. And then, you know, a certain guy from back of the range podcast re- reaching out to me. So, you know, the, the big dogs are, are chopping at the bit, which is fantastic.
0: When you see how much attention you get and you, you feel that attention from coworkers and friends, obviously it's great and it's nice to be recognized for what you do outside of work, but is it kind of also like, they don't quite understand everything that goes into making this happen. It's not like you just rolled up and, <laughs> and it's so much different. And, and I mean, you know exactly where I'm going with this. There's people that see you lifting a trophy or they see you have a nice finish and they think it's like, Oh, that's what Nick does on the weekend. He works here and then he just goes and plays some golf and they give him a trophy and isn't that great are there times where you're talking to coworkers trying to like man if you only knew how much <laughs> work goes into this
1: yeah you know sometimes you know i think as golfers we're always either you know really playing something up or really playing it down right if you ask people how much do you practice you know, or, or, you know, what do you do to get ready for this stuff? And, right. and they expect to hear, oh, you're doing it seven days a week. Or, you, you know, we try to be modest and say, oh, just one to two times a week, right? To make us uh, ourselves, you know, feel a lot better, right? you know, so totally. I mean, there are some some people that at work that don't understand it, but certainly appreciate the finish and reach out to me. And and that's that's been fantastic. But, um, yeah, you know, it's the hey, I used to get up early in the morning to go hit balls or, you know, I would do it. At, right after work right especially now this time of year in Massachusetts you know we're running out of sunlight early so you know it's hey we're finishing up a five o'clock call with a client you know then I'm going to go run to the range and you know try to hit you know 60 to 70 balls just to you know stay intact and you know using PTO right using oh. you know time off to, to go play golf tournaments people are like oh that's fun it's like yeah it is definitely fun and it, and it gets you what you want, but um you know it's it's definitely definitely a battle
0: oh yeah you know it's a, it's a commitment and then as you said just up in massachusetts we got to talk about getting your start in the game and also how you thrive in a place where like you said a you don't have a lot of sunlight and if i remember correctly you know i live in down in south florida so i don't have that problem but you guys get a little snow
1: up there every once in a while don't you? <laughs> we get a little bit Um uh, i bet I, the the I'm scared for this year for all the rain that we've had. If that turns into snow, we are in deep, deep trouble, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tough place to live and play golf at the same time, but it also forces you to take a nice break, which is, which is also good.
0: Yeah. So are you a through and through golfer, like from the very beginning or or you, did you kind of fall the other direct, did you kind of go the, the way of many other people I've spoken with here at the podcast where you get into all the sports, the baseball, basketball, football, and then someone puts a club in your hand. How did you start playing golf? Yeah,
1: well, some people say I probably looked like a a lineman when I was a kid and and probably still do, but I actually never played football. My brother, who maybe is 125 pounds soaking wet, was the one that did that, which is the ironic part. Yeah, that doesn't make Um, sense. (laughs) But I grew up playing hockey first. Uh, Hockey and baseball were my two big things. And so, you know, as I got older, I kind of realized I wasn't that fast. I didn't throw the ball that hard and kind of coming up through probably eight, nine, 10 years old, you know, my parents were lucky enough to have a second house on a nine hole golf course up in North Conway, New Hampshire. And my grandparents lived across the street and my grandfather was really got into the game. And so, you know, I played, gosh, every day from, you know, call it you know, June 10th until we went back to school, play every morning at 7am with him and his friends, we'd play nine holes. And it wasn't like I was like, Oh, man, this is the beginning of something good. But it just kept me doing something fresh. And, you know, I grew up even earlier than that, you know, just hitting balls and, you know, doing that with my other grandfather, who was really, really good. He was probably a you know, to handicap at, at at his peak. So, you know, both grandfathers played, but I played other sports. Golf was more of just, you know, it, it was something that I was decently good at, had fun with it, but it was just kind of like a side, uh, side sport until, you know, I got to high school.
0: I guess the, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is just when you start that young and it sounds to me like you really didn't have any sort of formal you know, coaching, You don't doesn't sound to me like you were playing any sort of junior golf circuit. Do you kind of remember a certain point where it, it kind of graduated from, okay, this is the fun summer thing I do with, you know, with the grandparents as opposed to, hey, I might actually want to play a little bit more and, and take this a little bit seriously.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to say, you know, so I was I was 12 years old. We went to Cooperstown, which everyone will Will love to hear because that was, I, my brother says that was my glory days. Um, I went to Cooperstown for baseball, and I just remember you know being being you know well enough, good enough to be there. And also still playing hockey at the time, and I remember my arm hurting from from baseball because I wanted to be the cool kid throwing curveballs, sure. which yeah. hasn't served me hasn't served me well now.
0: I was that same and, cool kid in South Florida, so
1: uh, yeah. So it didn't work out well for my elbow, but you know, then I also was playing hockey, and I remember playing hockey, and uh, I I transitioned to defense, which I should have done earlier, but I was playing defense. I remember sliding in front of um, the goalie on like a fast break trying to defend. And I simultaneously kind of hit my shoulder and my knee into the boards. And it wasn't anything like overly traumatic, but it was like I was out for the rest of that game. And I just remember to myself like, oh, man, like if I get hurt, I can't play baseball or golf. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was kind of, a, you know, coming to Jesus moment, if you will, of, you know, do we want to get hurt? Is it worth it? I'm not going to the NHL. And then from there, you know, my, I think, you know, credit to my dad or whomever brought it up. I don't really remember for, you know, getting me a a swing coach and who is probably in my eyes, still one of the best ones. He, Mark Spencer, actually was a captain at Georgia golf, but happened to be from, Hey, from mass and still is. And Um, he even said to me, he's like, dude, baseball and golf are not good for weight transition, like make a choice. And so, you know, I think all of that combined probably right at, you know, 12, 13 years old started to push me away from the other sports, which I still love, but you know, definitely got me into golf and and got me in more into a regiment.
0: Well, once you figure out what, maybe what you have the best future for future in, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear cut. So, um, you know, speaking of come to Jesus moments, you go to St. John's prep, see how I just simultaneously put that together. Talk to me about (laughs) it. So, so how, talk to me a little bit about the, um, the high school kind of golf experience you have there. Could you have imagined going anywhere else to set you up for success later on in life?
1: Luckily I didn't have much of a choice. So to give you background on St. John's prep is an all boys school and growing up in Haverhill in like seventh and eighth grade, you know, my parents were like, this kid needs some direction in life. You Um, still probably do, right? Oh, I absolutely do. Okay, Um, But, you know, so they, you know, they wanted me to look at, you know, luckily, you know, could look at some private schools and and get some direction in life. And so, um, you know, I heard of St. John's and, you know, they tell me about it and they're like, yeah, it's all boys. And I'm like, of course, me being an eighth grade boy, you know, 13, 14 years old. I'm like, I'm not going there. The best part was, is that I then toured the school and I was like, this is 100% the place I want to go. You know, it looks even crazier now. It looks like a college campus. And, um, you know, I found out that the sports teams were really good across, you know, literally every sport, like our water polo team was nationally ranked, which, um, I would sink, you know, like an anvil, but nonetheless would be cool to be able to know people that do that. Sure. So, you know, going to there, it was something where the minute I got there, you know, you knew it was special. There were guys that played from a golf standpoint. You know, we had George Zalotis, who played at St. John's with Keegan Bradley, um, guys that were around me, like Nick Pandolina, who played at BC, Nick McLaughlin, who played at UVA. Um, so to say like it was a powerhouse and has produced some big golf names, Steve DeLisio, who played at Duke, um, you know, it was awesome to be recognize there you get to play really great golf courses so you know it taught me a lot about how to play competitive golf and at that point you're like wow um you know i need to you can't just go like some other schools right you know or public high schools where you can be a three-sport athlete and you right. don't have to really practice one or two of the sports i needed to practice just one sport to stay on the team never mind perform on that team so it was a uh, it was a good kick uh in the behind to you know, make me, make me focus on a sport.
0: How did you stack up with the other guys on your team? You mentioned you had to practice really hard to stay on the team, but were there areas maybe coming in outside of perhaps a different environment? Maybe the kids on your team came from a country club background where they had instructors and they started playing when they were seven. And it sounds to me that you really were balancing a lot of other sports before you really dove into golf. What was the first thing you noticed perhaps back then, that was kind of the clear divide between you and maybe some of the other people on the team, or maybe like, you know, older kids on the team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like the difference between a 14 or 15 year old and like an 18 year old feels like astronomical. I remember, I remember going to, you know, my freshman year tryout being asked to go try out for the varsity team and like being on the first tee, like shaking and looking at the kids who were, you know, the seniors and and all of that. And you're like, wow, they hit it so far. Yeah. They know what they're doing, which in hindsight, <laughs> they probably didn't know what they were doing. Um, but you know, you definitely, as I got, as I progressed through, you know, my freshman year, there were kids that I was playing with that were members of Salem country club, Kernwood. And, you know, we, I had a, you know, my family had a, a golf membership, but it wasn't at, you know, a top 100 golf course. Um, and you know, they had swing coaches and I had gotten into that progression, but I didn't really learn how to play per se. Like these kids yeah. were on a golf course. Right. And they were also getting on course instruction and, Great you know, this may have been their only sport. Whereas like, this was the last kind of, towards the last one, sport that I really picked up, um, you know, going into high school.
0: It's kind of one of the things that I'm really seeing a lot of when I'm out here covering, uh, collegiate events, one of the most, uh, so so fortunate just so interesting to be able to walk and walk with these teams during their practice rounds. And, you know, whether it's a Vanderbilt or an SMU or a Stanford or go down the line, Oklahoma State, you know, during those practice rounds, they're not really I don't think I'm hearing anything about swing theory, swing technique. Hey, it looks like you're lined up left or hey, the ball your ball I'm hearing none of that. They are talking about every hole, dissecting, you know, what's your line? What are you thinking about? Uh, let's look at these pin locations this one's a green light this one we stay away from and they're dissecting right. every single hole as if it is just i mean it's it's a puzzle and they're just looking at 18 different pieces and i'm guessing yeah. man you're not getting any of that until you get to 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 st john's or 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 maybe when you get to college
1: yeah i well, that's also why the practice rounds are, you know, five and a half, six hours. I'll well, a that's, shot a the episode, <laughs> that's a
0: different episode, Nick. That's a whole other episode.
1: I have to throw the free shot there. Sure, but, sure. Uh, you know, yeah. You know, like you said, I honestly don't think I understood that until, you know, almost the mid-am life, to be honest. You know, I, I always thought it was, you know, you go out and play a real round of golf as your practice round and now you know i was telling someone at the mid i was like my least favorite thing to do is to play like a real golf round as a practice round because subliminally it just sets unrealistic expectations right you're you know you're not taking in where you can miss where you can't miss whole locations like you said so yeah you know if if kids that i played with growing up had that mentality god it put them ahead of me by you know light years
0: now, many of the guests on this podcast uh, played collegiately, uh, whether it's D1, D2, uh, you know, but, but a lot of them, uh, even the ones I'm talking to right now, obviously their current uh, stars are in their college golf teams. And it's been a recurring theme since, gosh, since this, uh, this podcast started, where, you know, you're, the, the place you need to be is where you're going to be able to play and compete and get the most out of your game. And, you know, not everybody is built to play at, a, at an Oklahoma or a Texas uh, totally. You know, there's so many different programs out there, so many different ways to go about it. Uh, you know, you're finding a lot of success here as a mid-am and, you know, people might think, Oh, wow. He must've gone to one of these powerhouse schools. Talk to me a little bit about your, your collegiate golf experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've said it to so many kids and yeah, it's crazy. It is kids, right? Like, you know, I've been to these tournaments that you and I have done and they're, literally a decade or more or i was playing literally playing competitive golf before they were they were born um so like you know having perspective definitely helps and you know college golf was one of those things that I didn't give a ton of creams to probably until my senior year of high school, which as you know, now is like so far behind sure. kids know where they're going, yep. you know, when they're freshman or sophomore at the latest. So, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't get recruited. Really. I got recruited by Boston college, but um, I couldn't add two plus two. So I didn't get in and go. Um, so, you know, I chose the smart choice, both geographically, monetarily. So, know i went to this small school and you know i was successful you know i I won um the division two new england as a freshman and it was a great experience but from a practicing lifestyle balance with school standpoint um it probably was the hardest you know seven to eight weeks and I give these kids that play now a ton of credit, you know, like we talked about before this, if you're flying around and mm-hmm. you know, first class or whatever, that's a different, that's a different animal. But, you know, for me, it was the first six, seven weeks in a small school in New Hampshire. It was, I didn't have really friends. I didn't, I wasn't able to kind of get out there and do some of the social things because it was, you know, golf practice and then, you know, hang out. But it, and then the weekends are, you know, most of the tournaments for us, because we weren't, you know, those schools that you mentioned, you know, it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So you leave the weekend, which obviously as we all know. College is uh, the best time. There's a lot of
0: fun to be had.
1: There's a few, there's a few things to be had. So, you know, I think for me that was the experience. And then once I stopped playing collegiately, you know, I still worked at a golf course during the summer at Bradford, you know, where I still play, and I would say i played I think I played one state am in that time and just only tried to play one state am and then maybe would play one or two other events you know that were just thirty six whole local tournaments and I loved it, you know it was fine. I played during you know the summers I would play late at night after working at the golf course, and that was how I you know got by, but it wasn't that I lost the competitive juice; it was really just that you know I found it in a different way. And then as I've gotten older, you know, I, I figured out that, you know, I like to do a little bit more than just play those small tournaments.
0: Yeah. And and it's interesting. So you're kind of telling me that when you're in college, the balance was hard. It's hard for you to find the balance, but you have found it a little bit more now as you've gotten older <laughs> and gone to the mid-am ranks where instead of balancing schoolwork and, and uh, so, work. yeah, now you're just balancing work
1: yeah right homework stinks you know you had to go to class and do homework and now you know i i luckily don't bring a ton of work home with me you know i'm still in sales so you know someone reaches out to me you know later at night i certainly get back to them as soon as i can but it's been you know nice and you know being able to have flexibility in some work you know some people understanding you know what it does take and you know what i have to do to be successful And I think it's the amount you want it too. So, you know, I didn't necessarily um, really want it that bad when I was probably 20, you know, 19 to 22, I probably didn't really want to be that good at golf or, you know, didn't really know what was out there. Right. You know, by the time I got to golf, you know, I was playing against Cam Wilson who was at Stanford and was like, well, I'm not nearly as good as him. I'm probably will never be as good as him. And, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm just going to play recreationally with friends and, and that's it. And I didn't know about the mid-am. I didn't know that kind of lifestyle. Right. Um, and once I became privy to what that meant, I was like, you know what? That might be for you know, me.
0: That looks, that looks fun. Maybe I should. Uh, yeah, exactly. I can get behind that. Maybe I should, yeah, maybe I should work on that. So, uh, answer. Okay. So again, you're spending all your time in, in New England, you know, you know growing up in Massachusetts, still living there. Um, I'm a South Floridian so uh, you know I never had to deal with any of this cold weather stuff uh, you know mm. I, I never had to really worry about that uh, as far as you know playing golf and maybe go on vacation you go go someplace you know, go to you know go to Scotland or you go to uh, you know I've been to Cabot you know places like that sure, sure. but as far as having it be a, a day-to-day I mean, give me an idea what some of the weather that you've played in, which is like, oh, yeah, man. this is this is pretty much you know standard issue. That I'm <laughs> like, no, I'm just going to stay inside and record a podcast episode today.
1: Oh yeah, you know it's funny though. I've probably I've my I say my blunt my blood has definitely thinned um, in the last couple of years as I've tried to get more, more south earlier in the year. But you know, I remember a state tournament in high school that the highest. Temperature was like 39 degrees. There was frost. Okay. Um, and the year before that, snow was flaw- was falling in Ludlow, Massachusetts, for the state for the state um, high school tournament, the Division One tournament. And so, you know, those were two where you know you're afraid to take a divot first and <laughs> foremost. The ground is <laughs> the ground is frozen. Um, but then also, you know, playing early in the year, you know sometimes the greens aren't totally thought and you hit one and it's like the ball hits the cart path and it's off the green. So, um, you know, it's, I would say it's like, you know, people are crazy. People want to go out and play. I definitely have way more of a, if it's over 55, I will play. If it's under 55, you know, there's going to be sunny and no wind. I, I pick and choose when I play golf now. There you go.
0: What, um, you know, you, you mentioned, I definitely want to ask you about some of these unique Mid-Am tournaments that you've played in. I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of people listening know about, you know, ones like the Crump, obviously at Pine Valley. And then there's, uh, you know, there's obviously the the Thomas at LACC and the Coleman at Seminole. You know, yep. Those are really, that's kind of the triple crown, but there's some other ones that I want sure. to talk to you about, especially ones that serve nice steak and, and lobster dinners. So we're different. Yes, yes. that. But you, you know, working man you got to balance a career you got to balance uh, you know friends and family and and keep your game in order so you know it's one thing to be able to go play in these and get invited but nobody wants to hang a t62 up there and just get their free golf shirt and a towel and call it a weekend so Correct. how do you is there a strategy that you have that you've implemented in the last couple of years uh two three four years whatever you want to call it, but, but is there a strategy that you've implemented that allows you to perform your best when you do tee it up in these tournaments. Because again, it's you're not like you're playing a tournament every single weekend. It's, right. it's you know spotty or not spotty, but certain spots during the year that you have to peak. What do you do to try and get yourself in 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 tournament mode and tournament conditions?
1: Yeah, it's hard too, right? Like there are certain times of the year where you feel like you can do less because, you know, you're naturally playing more, it's nicer outside. In the beginning and end of the year, it's harder because of, you know, weather up here. I would I would say, you know, a, a few things, one of which is I learned this year not to over-practice or practicing with a purpose. Okay. And um, the, the one thing I actually took, and I, I hate to give you credit, um, oh, but no. it, that, listening to Preston's um, yes. Summer Haze's episode here. It was. I listened to it. I listened to it after it came out. I wasn't very. It wasn't the second it came out because I, I don't listen to you that quickly. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, and, <laughs> but so I, you know, something he said to me that was really interesting was about how. You know practicing with a purpose but also practicing your practice swings with a purpose and you know trying to focus on the tempo in which you're taking it back and the practice swing is the same as your real swing and so on and so forth and i thought about that and i was like wow i'm like i've never really thought about doing the practice swing the same tempo speed as mine like i i certainly take one you know either to feel and bring it inside you know depending upon what i'm working on but you know I aimlessly hit balls for so long. And, you know, when you get to a certain point at, you know, quote, being good at golf, you get, everyone can hit a five iron. And especially if you get in a groove, you can, you know, hit a five iron 20 times dead straight at whatever pin if you're at the range, Right. but you, but you never have that shot on the golf course. So, you know, for me it was learning to focus on what I needed to focus on, whether it was a certain part of my game, but then also making sure that I was disciplined enough to challenge myself to hit different shots and to just try to play a little bit too, not just go to the range. Um, Because like you said, if you just go to the range and you're a range rat, you can end up hitting every shot you want to because it's just repetitiveness and your body gets comfortable. You have the same wind, so on and so forth. You don't get that on the golf course. So, you know, to try to perform at different times, you know, I said this to someone else the other day, like the pros try to do it, you know, call it six weeks a year, four majors, the players, and, you know, maybe the FedEx or something like that, Right. right? We're trying to do the same thing around, like you said, you know, Coleman, USAM, US
0: Mid, US
1: AM, right. US Mid quali- certain qualifiers, Jones Cup, you know, you name it, and you, you're not. The other thing is you're not going to do it every week, right? You 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 can't. If you do, you're having a heck of a year, right? But there are certain instances where it's like, okay, if you do hang a 62, yes. or in my case, you hang a you know 80th at the Jones Cup, it's a learning experience, and then you're saying, okay, well, what did I do well? And then it's, okay. what didn't I do well and and what part of that was it? And this goes back to the Preston part was, you know, which part of my game or which part of my shot was it? Was it swing and execution? Was it game management or was it something like just as a mental mishap? And just kind of taking those notes and then using it and being very time oriented because I have a job. I have a fiance. I have a family. I travel and work. So it sounds like a lot. It's really, you know, not that much but you do have to be disciplined because you don't have all the time in the world
0: it makes perfect sense and uh and by the way is Preston Summerhaze just like the oldest 18 year old you've ever met in your life ever okay literally ever okay ever I feel like if I just said to that kid do my taxes he'd be like <laughs> yeah sure uh, I, I can take care of yeah. that no problem um well that's that makes perfect sense um it makes perfect sense. And it's almost like going to the gym and you, you know what it's like to go to the gym. And no, I, not even, I've what? never been. Okay. so but, but You've like, seen me. Well, You've but like me. going to the gym and then, and, and, you know, doing your little 30 minutes of cardio and then you look over at the weights and you're like, all right, now what? And yep. you, you're not going to make any progress if you're just looking at and just, okay, looking at, you know, a rack of dumbbells is kind of like just aimlessly looking at a basket of range balls saying, all right, I just whack these and I leave. And yep. um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, you're okay. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. We've talked about Jones cup. Now I want to talk about some of these tournaments that, that are so much fun. So yes. Jones cup, this, this previous Jones cup, I think that was the first time we've met uh, yep. being on, on site, me being on site at a tournament, you participating in it and that tournament special place, ocean forest. They really pull out all the stops. The course is in incredible oh. shape. And then obviously I guess I learned this and so did you there is it's it's held in February and right there at Sea Island and there's gonna be incredible weather but there's gonna be one day that's a Jones Cup day which they just <laughs> there's like one day of Jones Cup weather and I'm like what are you guys talking about I'm like you'll see yeah and it was like 60 and raining and blowing and it was just miserable oh, Um yeah what is your kind of approach? I Maybe mean, do you even have a different one when you're playing in a national invitational and it's not just mid and it's college kids. And also last year it was uh, kind of a Walker cup year The the, you know, COVID canceled some, some tournaments. So it seemed to me that it was, everyone was there. It's, it felt like. Yeah.
1: I, I, I say and that. You, I and you, and you, I'm I, sorry. And I'm sorry. Me. No, everyone I've was there. And, and nick okay go i ahead. weasel. i weaseled my way into that i to be completely Did you win honest a or
0: something you I, do that?
1: apparently yes yes i bought all of the <laughs> i bought all the raffle tickets okay yeah you know it was interesting i had talked to a, a couple guys up here like uh, parziali and um a couple other guys who played the senior and i asked him i was like hey you know what's this golf tournament all about you know i know it's one of the top ranked ones and like yeah you should apply and they gave me the same caveat that you just mentioned was you're gonna have tough weather but it's always a great field it's a great golf course right. and you know i have a cousin from atlanta who's got some friends that are members of ocean forest and so he put the bug in my ear of like ocean forest is awesome and i was like okay you know i'll put in my um you know i'll put in my resume and i had had a good 2020 uh you know my my world ranks were were fairly high and then I remember getting an email of saying, you know, we'd love to have you and so on and so forth. And then it came out with a field and I looked and I was like, what happened? Like, do they, do they know who I am and they know who all these these people are? Um, and, you know, as for the the golfing side, that was the first time that I had ever been a part of a golf tournament where it wasn't that I didn't feel like I belong, I didn't belong, but it certainly I was more awestruck of Oh, here's this kid. Like he's the 20-year-old kid. He's really good. And right. you know, here's Kevin O'Connell who won the US mid. And and here's, you know, uh Joe Duraney, who so on and so forth. And, you know, the Stu Haggistads and everybody, right? And I was like the last mid-am in the field among these top five in the world type guys. And right. you're like, wow, this is this is something. So it was interesting. I was not prepared for that golf course. That golf course is a you know, I just, yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I tell two stories of the fourth hole there. I think it was the second day was like you said, I think it was 55 raining, blowing 30 and I hit driver. I hit it in the center of the face. I hit it straight and I did not make the fairway and I had 285 into a par four. And then (laughs) the 16th hole, the long kind of dog leg, Dead into the wind. Only one person hit the green in regulation on the second day. And we're talking about the top, you know, I don't know, 40 of the top 100 golfers yeah. Yeah. Mid- or amateurs in the world. So the <laughs> place is a brute. I love it. Um, the golf course is fantastic. The condition it's in is stupid good. And the food is just spectacular, <laughs> but uh, which we'll get to. Uh-huh. But, you know, it was a it was an awesome, awesome tournament, awesome week. They certainly pull out all the stops. And I know we'll get to that. But, you know, from a golfing standpoint, I would say, you know, I definitely was felt like I was above my ski tips. Now, looking back and kind of other tournaments I've played in, I certainly will go back hopefully in 22 with a different mentality and, and produce better results.
0: And you know, the other thing too about being over your over your skis a little bit at some of these tournaments, the thing also that you kind of remember after the fact, unfortunately, it's the last thing you want to tell yourself during the tournament. But after <laughs> the fact, you you have to you take that moment, you say to yourself, you know, nobody else gives a shit how much I feel I'm out over my skis. They're worried about their own game. Yeah, right. But you never say that to yourself at a tournament. But that's really what you have to say. Like nobody cares no yeah. one, no one's going to you know no one's really going to prop you up after you have a bad day and also no one's really going to care if you have a great day they're just going to be like oh okay cool and move on because they're concerned about their own thing totally
1: totally and i think bringing that into each tournament is yeah. no one cares about what you're doing you yeah. do your own thing and if it works out positively great if it doesn't and, and people People remember your – it's 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 unlike me, right? I remember my bad finishes, whereas the good finishes are great, but you remember the bad ones usually more. It's almost the opposite for the people looking in, right? They look at, you know, oh, Nick came in X, Y, Z at the Jones Cup. Ah, I'm not going to text them. It's fine. But then when the good one comes, like, oh, he played so well, right? So it's kind of an equal and opposite effect. So, you know, you have all these ideas in your head of like, wow, these people must be looking at the scores and seeing Nick – you know, posted as an 80 and it's like, they don't care. You know, yeah. the people at home don't care. I don't care. And not to mention it was, you know, 7,400 yards and 55 degree weather. So,
0: you know, another thing too, that I'm thinking about, which, and I'm just throwing this out there as kind of a lesson for people listening that are, you know, in, in junior, you know, parents of juniors or or juniors that are trying to get into some of these tournaments. Yes. The scores are important and yes, the resumes are important, but you know, in my opinion, another thing that's so important is make those really good connections with tournament directors and volunteers oh, yeah. And thank them and send a letter and all that stuff. Totally. Because if you don't, you're just another name in the crowd that, that kind of plays golf well. And you want to be remembered when you go play these tournaments.
1: Absolutely. And they do a great job. They make it easy for you to say thank you too. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's incredible. Well, and even like you, like I know we sat down for dinner and you know, certain people were at that table and it's fantastic.
0: Well, a, another way to get remembered is by cleaning out the player's buffet. And and, and, <laughs> and the, the, I just, one of the mo, the highlights of my, my year last year, it was so funny cause you know, we're at the, at the Jones cup and you know, they have this incredible dinner and it was in kind of a ballroom that was separated, I guess, from where the range was. And yeah. a lot of the kids I say kids, you know, college kids, um, you know, like the David Fords and the the Jackson Van Parises and the Kelly Chins and, the, and the, those players, you know, they're on the putting green and they're hitting balls, they're doing their thing, and there's a player's dinner. And I think we probably saw, what, half the field come through there, maybe? Maybe. 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 And all I remember is you and me and Grayson Huff and yep. – Jason Gore, Jason Gore. And we're and and, now basically it's a table of people that have that have been on the back of the range golf podcast. And we're just knocking down lobster tail and and flay like like nobody's business.
1: I mean, how can you not? I was I was floored by that whole thing. I remember the first after the first round, I looked at you and I was like, "How did it go?" And I was like, "They got red wine in this joint and going and going and go to the bar." And they're like, "Yeah, you're all set." And I was like, "All set." I was like, "Open bar. There's only like you know six of us that can drink in this event." Yeah, that, that, <laughs> um, so. they're
0: getting away pretty cheap actually. They're running they out of Yoo-Hoo, but there's plenty yeah, of ex- uh,
1: wine and yeah, exactly. So you know it, that was they put on such a spread. I mean the the pretty much grill your own, pick your own filet and lobster and, uh, you know, everything else. And and obviously the, the plethora of red wine was, um, a fantastic, you know, runner up to the golf. Well, I have,
0: I have a feeling due to your, your fantastic finish at the U S Mid-Am, I have a feeling that there's a good chance I'll be seeing you in February, but if not, I will be taking lots of pictures of the sure lobster. Get that. I'll be yeah, I'll be doing that. But I, I think there's a good chance I'm gonna see you there. Now, on the flip side, there are some tournaments that are geared towards uh the the mid-ams and are geared towards the seniors where you know the the younger players you really don't see. And of course I'm you know, obviously there's like we said, we talked about the Crown, we talked about the the Coleman. These are the kind of the 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 triple crown uh, so to speak of, of mid-am and senior am golf, but a, a tournament that I've that I have actually played in one time. I've mm-hmm. played in the Gasparilla in, in Tampa at Palmacia. That's a whole other different animal. They, totally. That's a little that's that's golf kind of mixed in with a little bit of a of a party. Wouldn't you say Oh yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. First time I got uh invited or it was put on my my radar was I think I was twenty six. So I think I was a year removed from being a mid an and I remember going down there, and the first night getting getting caught off guard, so to say, um, by the wonderful membership and some of the players. By you know, it's an open bar; it is uh, you know this whole barbecue the first night, and you know you you forget very quickly that you have a tea time the next morning at 8 a.m. Uh-huh. So um, you know, it's it's a it's such a great golf course. It's for those that don't know is at Palmacia country club in Tampa. And it's, it's someone, someone wrote it somewhere. It's like, you're getting beat up by the smallest kid in class. Yes. And
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's like 6,400. It's I think they maybe, said it's like, missed. maybe, okay. So it's like the hardest, <laughs> it's like the hardest 62 or 6,300 golf course in the world. Or, or it's just that you're exactly right. It's just, you know, it, just getting gnawed at, it just nods at your ankles
1: totally and it's one of those two that they this is their masters this is their oh, yeah. major for the year and they have a divot filling party like the week before where literally 300 or 400 members go out there with divot mix and fill every divot from the back of the first tee to the front or the back of the 18th green and they go out there they take care of this golf course and throughout the entire week, and this is the one that blows me away, and there are certainly ones, right? And they did this at Jones Cup, so I won't sell any of them short. But they'll come up to us and say, "What can we do for next year?" And yeah. the tournament's not even over yet. You know, it's the first day, and I'm, you know, if I'm playing well, they're like, "What can we do?" I'm like, "Do nothing." I love this tournament. I want to win it. Um yeah. And you know, if I play bad, I say, "Make the course easier." Obviously, I'm joking, but it's they do such a great job. And I mean, they have. I remember my fiance came to the first one. Uh, it was her, her first tournament that you saw me play in. You and brought
0: your fiance to, to the Gasparilla and, say, uh, and this is what I do in the weekends, honey.
1: This is what they do. And oh the better, the, you know, public service announcement is if you are a Mid-Am um, bring your significant other, because they will promote you to play in this golf event because there's free concessions, uh-huh. alcohol, yes. craft brew on the golf course, and everyone is friendly being down South. So you know, she was like, this is the best thing in the world. I just got these burger sliders. I got this craft beer. And I was like, uh, this isn't how it normally goes. Yeah, I, was, say, yeah, <laughs> I no. was like, this is not normal. So it was, it, it, they do such a good job. You know, I could go on and on about it, but you know, those are the type of events as a mid-am that I didn't know were out there when, you know, I was, you know, still at the end of college. And now understanding that that, is there, you know, it makes you want to play better. It makes you want to get into these events, and you know, I have friends that are kind of, you know, on the precipice of trying to play in more regional, national events, and I feel lucky enough that I get into these events, right. and you and you get to take advantage, and it becomes social, you know. After we're playing, there is not a soul on the range, and oh, yeah. you know, no one's on the putting green, and that's the difference. So, you know, we joked about the Jones Cup is, you know, we're stuffing our faces and there are guys beating balls until the sun's down that does not happen at these events and it's for a good reason
0: yeah yeah no you're you're 100 right it's a different vibe um and and i guess you know i mean gosh i've had so many different mid and seniors on this podcast and and it's so much fun to hear their stories and just to learn about their journey and then all the different and it's just a it's a nice little club that everyone kind of is a part of and you see your friends and when you go from tournament to tournament I know it's hard to just pick just one or or even two, but are there certain mid ams or senior ams that you've kind of, because you're a younger mid am, um, that you've kind of, not necessarily they've, you know, taken you under their wing and all that nonsense, but ones that when you see that, you know, you can pick their brain about different tournaments or or different things that they have accomplished where you want to end up being. Who, who have yeah. you kind of, uh, and yeah, just who, who have you kind of gravitated towards? Yeah,
1: well, one of them's easy, and and obviously everybody knows him. is Is Pars yeah. Matt Parzialli. Uh yeah, like being that we're from the that same state, awesome. he's not that good at golf. No, he's, uh, good. he's been great because he plays in, you know, he gets invited to all the biggest tournaments, and you know, getting his opinion not only on the golf course, but you know, the event, you know, what he prepares for and, and how he prepares and, you know, all of that has been, has been great. And I would say even from the senior, senior mids or, you know, senior AMS, I guess, you know, I just played a practice round with Scott Harvey and, you know, it wasn't like I was picking his brain, but you can kind of see the due diligence that they do and, and the things that they care about. And when I was at Jones Cup, you know, I had dinner with Joe Deraney once or twice, Kevin O'Connell and, you're not directly, you know, we're old enough where it's not like, you know, you're you're constantly asking them questions of like, okay, what do you do here? How is this? But right. you you get it subliminally from, you know, here's how they go about their day. You you know, you see them at the range and you're like, Okay, here's what they're working on. And you also just kind of can can gauge your game against theirs and and how they're playing. You're like, okay, they're not doing anything that's outside of what I'm doing. It's just, you know, this one or two shots, or it's not making this mistake. So, um, and and being able to get paired, you know, the, the coolest part about the Gasparilla was, you know, they have, they get a really great field every year. And I think two or three years ago, I got paired with Bob Royak after he won the U S senior and being able to see how he plots around a golf course was like, all right, that's who I want to model my game after. Right. And so we, we certainly shot the breeze and um, you know, I learned about kind of what, where he plays and you know, how, where he practices and all of that. So it's it like you said, it's a, it's a super awesome group of guys and you know, you can learn a lot if you're, if you're open to it.
0: I would think that just by mentioning that now I'm thinking about it more, the Gasparilla must be an incredible place to learn just what you said, course management and how someone approaches the game. Because you know you're not going to be able to bomb it out there. Uh, bombing it's going to get you into trouble. You need to play within yourself. You know, you know you're probably going to learn a lot more to place like that than if you're playing at some seventy-two hundred-yard golf course that you know right. really you have to you have to, to to bomb it. You have to you know gain as right. much distance as you can. When there's more options, there's more, uh, there's more different interpretations of how to play the game. That must be just a, I mean, that's a, you're doing you're doing homework there. You're going to a library. You're you're
1: studying under the masters there, and they've been around there for you know these guys have been around for a while, you know, not calling them old, but they're older than me. Oh, I love that.
0: I love that you've already looped in Harvey (laughs) with the older crowd. I love that. I mean, that's, that's, that's. Yeah, he'll appreciate that. That's on you. Yeah. I mean, but you're mentioning guys, uh, you're mentioning guys that all have been here at the back of, well, except Duraney. Duraney hasn't been here at the back of the range. So.
1: um, Shameless plug. We'll get him on.
0: I use a lot of big words. I think that's what he's afraid of. So (laughs) I I, I think that might be it. Um, You had a great 2020 Runner up in the New England Amateur, runner up at the at the Mass Am and the We Met Memorial, and just picked up a win at the Hornblower. I mean, you, you're you know Mass Am Player of the Year in 2020. Uh, you know, obviously great year. Lead you know, with everything that's going on, obviously in the world, but leads you into 2021. Those finishes uh, elevate your world amateur golf ranking to the point where you are exempt into the U.S. Mid Am this year at at Sancti. and it's really. I'm, I'm guessing you're licking your chops not just because. You know, it's it's not a lot of travel. That's the other thing that people forget with these national tournaments. You know, yeah, Bandon Dunes is really cool, and everyone that got to play in the USAM there in 2020, yeah, it's great. But it's a long to go halfway. It's not even halfway across the country. The whole way across going across the country. And this turn, this U.S. Mid-Am at Sankety, you know, up in Nantucket, yeah, um, you know, beautiful. It looked gorgeous, but still, it's a little bit of a complicated travel situation. It's not totally. like you're just flying in, getting a rental car, and off you go. So you got to get out to the island and lodging and all that stuff. How much? Not to say that that's the reason you played so well, but but how much does that help when you're playing in a, in a tournament to have less travel and also a place that you're kind of familiar with?
1: Yeah yeah you know i think it was great being exempt um because it gave you you know less stress more planning you can think a little bit more ahead of time so that was that was huge being able to get out there um early with a member a brother of somebody i work with his name's um daryl is was the best host you could ask for but got us out to the golf course early And being able to, like, take my own car, not have to worry about what I was packing, right? You know, if I'm flying to, I've never been to California, but if I'm flying to Arizona, you know, I got to bring my clubs and then pack. And then you're thinking about, well, I can only bring this one, you know, big suitcase and then I got to carry on. I didn't have to think about that with my car, you know, getting onto the ferry. Um, So, you know, I think that was just a natural state of, you know, calm. They certainly the the golf was different in regards to how much wind there is there, but you're definitely, you know, there's no jet lag, none of that. So it, it was certainly, uh, I don't know how big of a benefit it was. I'm sure I'll look back and maybe years to come or, you know, next year when going to, you know, Aaron Hills, when I'm like, wow, it was a lot nicer having to be able to have my own car and, right. and, not, and well, be able just, to travel in state.
0: Just the stress level, I'm guessing just that's, that's totally right. So that's just a little bit less. Um, yep. You know, you have two solid rounds of stroke play, get through the playoff, and then obviously once you get to match play, uh, you know, nothing, uh, you know, n- nothing matters. Seeds don't matter. totally This year, the number one seed for the U.S. Am, U.S. Women's Am, U.S. Mid-Am, and U.S. Women's Mid-Am, all four number one seeds lost to the 64 seeds this huh. year. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, you learn something new every
1: day. Here, right? I do, know You do your you do your homework.
0: I do what I can. So, I mean, this is just uh, it's it's a match play seeds are thrown out the window. Um, obviously, the the primary goal of just about anyone that's playing in a in a mid am or a am or anything, you, you just get to match play. That's totally. that's it. Just got to get to match play. Um, your thoughts heading into match play. This is your is this your first US mid am.
1: This is my first US Mid-Am. I was an alternate, I think, for three times, to- two or three times, heading oh, into God. this. So, uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was my fault, right, that I was uh, alternate through qualifying before. But so this was the first time I was in. Yeah.
0: So how did you kind of how do you transition from hey I made it I got my player's badge I'm in a US Mid-Am to hey let's go get some work done you're exempt into this thing um, you're exempt because they think you're gonna you know you're one of the they think you're going to compete. So right. how do you transition that thought process?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll answer that question. And then also throw you a small story that
0: we do uh, stories my, here. I'm not, well, you my, know,
1: my, my, yes, my fiance will, and my family will, will love, but um, you know, going into the week, it was, it was weird because I've never been exempt. I mean, I've, I've been exempt for other you know events, you know, through state and, and local um, but not on a USGA event. So sure. it was almost like I got some of that awe of like, Hey, I'm at a US, you know, USGA event. I got that out of the way pretty early when, you know, you get in the mail of, you know, your invitation, right. you know, two months early. And so I think that got out of the way and let me focus on the golf part of it. Okay. And the other third part is that, you know, I'm, I've been playing golf, especially this year with the, you know somewhat heavy schedule that I've seen these guys and, you know, not that I'm diminishing any of them, but it's just like, Hey, I can hang with these guys. This isn't the Jones cup where it was my first really, really big event. And it was more of self destructive than it was the actual golf of, you know, that side of things. So to begin the week, that was, that was really the mentality. The once match play started, uh, well, okay. So here's the funny part. So we finish, because of the fog delay, we played Saturday. I finished eagle birdie to shoot one over. I was four over on the 17th tee box at the after the first round. Played our final two holes and three under to get to one over. So without that finish, I'm nowhere near. I'm packing my bags and going home. So mm-hmm. that was the first positive. The next day, we only played three holes of golf. My tee time was, I think, 5.50. <laughs> and played three holes of golf. And then they said, Monday morning, you're coming back to Maya Comet and playing your final 15 holes. I knew I was roughly around the cut line. Long story short, I post two over for two days and I'm, there's going to be a playoff. It's really just how many spots, how many people. Right. So, but we have three and a half hours between when I finished my round because we were one of the first ones on the golf course to when the playoff was going to happen. So, which is a lot of time to think, and you know, yeah, you gotta mutter you gotta the see, what ifs.
0: You gotta stay <laughs> loose, but you also need to shut it down a little bit because if you don't shut it down mentally, then you're just gonna be fried by the time you get going. Ex- just, right. Exactly,
1: yeah. and you don't know what seed you're gonna. If you do qualify, you don't know what seed you're gonna get. Right, and then you don't know what, if you're gonna go off later that afternoon. Like you might go to the playoff, do it, and then go out and play shortly thereafter against somebody who's just waited around all day. So, right. like you said, you gotta do that. So. I go, we go back, we get some lunch and take a shower and it's me, my caddy, Matt, Lucy and my fiance, Elizabeth. And we're sitting there and she looks at me and says, okay, I have a question and I don't want you to take it the wrong way, but can I ask you? And I said, sure. She said, so I just want to get this straight and help me understand. You were exempt for being in the top 40 and you were number 25 quote in the world but you're struggling to make the top 64 in this? Like, why? (laughs) And I was like, okay, shots fired. Um, Are we still still getting married? That's my
0: first, I I mean, I'm so sorry. So whatever happened to that girl?
1: Yeah, right, exactly. She's still here. But so, you know, she was obviously being somewhat coy. But the joke from there on out after the, you know, after the playoff, which we ended up going out making par, into a 35 mile an hour gale, sure. um, to get in. But after that, every time I moved on in match play, I was like, see, now I'm in the top 32 and I was 25. And then I got to, you know, the 16 and got to eight and eventually obviously to four. And every time I got farther and farther, I was like, see, I'm better than 24 or I'm better than 25 in the world. So, but it was just a nice, uh, you know, extra added, you know, uh, wow. accomplishment yeah. that, you know, she keeps burning inside me.
0: That's, uh, that's, that, you know, normally I think about, you know, the, the real, the, the hugs and kisses after the rounds and the, this, and that just the emotion. And instead
1: she wants to see me succeed. She wants to see me succeed. That's the story.
0: That's the story. Okay. Now it sounds to me that she's just like, just poking at you. Just like, all right, all right. Wow. <laughs> she
1: knows how to get under my skin. Apparently.
0: I, apparently. So, um, I don't, I've, I've lost all train of thought in this conversation now. I'm just, I'm so, does your fiance play golf, play golf? Does she she, play, she golf. play.
1: Yeah, she does. Actually, she plays a good amount. She played field hockey uh, division two field hockey oh and God. was uh, quite good. And I hear about that quite often, but
0: oh, okay. um,
1: she, she's gotten into the golf uh, game for sure. And um, <laughs> there are times and she's learned this the hard way. Sometimes we'll play and she's like, why is this sport so easy? And then the next day she's like, I hate this sport so much. But and, I mean, like anyone, is, anyone uh, that's sports. ever played golf has muttered those words.
0: Future S- Massachusetts women's mid-am champion right. going to be on the exactly. podcast. Give her, what about six, yep. six, six months, six six years, something yeah. like that. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll
1: give her six years.
0: We'll save her a spot, no problem. Um, I'm guessing just this, this achievement, obviously making to the semifinals, uh, I mean, it's cliche, but just kind of, you know, beyond your wildest dreams to get that far. I mean, just is it validation for the hard work? Is it? Yeah. You know, I mean, do you look at it as just one week in time, or do you take more from it to to build upon, or do you just say, "Hey, I had a good week."
1: Yeah, it's funny. I think as I've now had probably a, a week or so, maybe a little bit less than a week to marinate on it. You know, part of your brain is like, "Man, if I make it to the final, who knows what happens?" But yeah. you know, going into it, I think validation is the word. Um you know, people this year, you know, through, through means of, you know, not trying to, you know, say anything about me, but I didn't play in certain events, state, regional, or national, just because a, I need to save time for work, but also, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was exempt for the in-state home USGA tournament. That's, you know, we've never had as a mid amateur championship. And so to then have this plan, execute it, and then get there, and then to come in the final four was like the cherry on top and and kind of the people that were like, Oh, why is he not playing? in, you know, the state amateur, you know, this and that and saying it in a negative way, not in a, I wouldn't either. It was more of a negative way. You know, those people can obviously look at the result and can see for themselves that it's paid off. So um, I think that's a, that's kind of what I took from it.
0: Yeah. And that's another, that's a, different conversation for another time about wagger and and protecting your wagger and you know the thing is is that you know it, there, i mean i and this is not mid-amps or seniors this is everyone there are players that i mean go look at who has won the state amateur in 2020 or 2021 go look at the state amateur champions and then go look you know, at their, at their Wager rankings or go look at the names, you know, the, the top mm-hmm. guys, unfortunately, the way Wagger is set up top guys can't play in, in those tournaments because even if they win or finish in the top five, they will lose ground in their Wagger.
1: You know, yeah. I mean, ranked. look at, right. Look at this year for state of Massachusetts, yeah. you know, uh, the future as we call them, uh, uh, uh is Michael that what Thornton you call Yeah. I mean, he won. Right. And, you know, I think he probably got enough. But, you know, it was a it was a it was a work life balance. It was making sure I had enough time for the fall and anything else I wanted to do. But it was also, you know, do you play in a certain event? And if you don't win, you know, you may not either get a shot at a USGA or what have you. And all the people that have either been there or know what that's, you know, that possibility is like, they're like, it's a no brainer. Yeah, you, you know, you go do it. So for those people, I certainly appreciated all of their, uh, you know, advice. And for the, you know, rumblings of, you know, people making other comments, you know, I luckily can get can get the last laugh this year. Uh, who knows for future years. But, yeah. um, you know, at this point, it worked out.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, at the end of the day, you got to play golf when you want to play it. Play in the totally. tournaments you want to play in. You're not yep. making a living at this. It's what Move. you want to do that, you know, Scott Turner, good friend. He's former guest in yep. the back of the range runs the minor league golf tour. He sees guys chasing the pro-life every day. That's his job is to put yep. those guys like Sonny Kim and, um, uh, and, and, you know, uh, uh, Dylan Meyer and, and just all, you know, Steve LeBron, all those guys that are chasing you, but he's, and, and he's in the same boat, you know, he's a mid-am, he's a phenomenal mid-am down here in South Florida. He's won Palm yep. Beach County, player
1: of the year. Play with him at Gasparola.
0: There you go. Okay, so you know Turner and and he's, yep. he fights the same thing. He's like, you know, I, I want to build my Wagger, but the only way for him to do it is to basically stop playing and all the stuff he's played in for the last, you know, five, six, seven years, and yeah. how, I don't know how, you know, Turner's not a guy that's going to be like, all right, I'm just not going to go support the Palm Beach County Golf Association. I don't see why right. that that's him. So now, what what's the answer to that? What do you do?
1: Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I think it's it's, it's a, it's almost like the flip of what you used, you know, I used to play in all state stuff and then play in one national and then you, you know, make a pivot to, okay, I'm not going to, you can't, and, and parziel I said this to me is you cannot play every big event every year, all year, because A, you don't have enough time right. and B, you're going to get worn, worn down. You're going to miss stuff. It happens. Yeah. So it's just coming up with a rotation of, okay, maybe I'm playing in the state four ball this year but I'm not going to play the state amateur, but the next year I'll play the state amateur, but I'm not going to play, you know, name it. So, and and going from there and there's, you can't, you can't please everybody. And not that, you know, I've not had one tournament director or or anybody from any association ever say anything. And, you know, you just try to support everybody, right. You know, as mid amps, we're the ones that you know, support these tournaments the most because some of these kids go pro. So, you know, we're the ones that we love supporting, you know, Joel Davenport in the Southern Am and, you know, Kevin at Gasparilla. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's where, you know, you feel guilty not playing in some stuff. But ultimately, like you said, it's everyone's got their own schedule. You got, you know, you can't play golf every week. It's crazy.
0: I, uh, I think also it's something to keep in mind too is, yes, it's really cool to play in some of these national events, but you also have to remember that winning them and finishing high is not going to be an occurrence every single year. And you no. also have to keep your game in a condition where you know how to win and how to go low and not yep. just kind of grind your way through. Like I don't see you or any other mid-am in the country for that matter playing 10 jones cups a year because you can't no because you're gonna like okay get your teeth kicked in (laughs) well yeah and you're not gonna yeah you're not gonna have that uh, ability anymore where like all right i'm under let's get to five you're you're gonna be playing golf you know defensively and kind of holding on like all right well a t18 is a really good finish in this field but you're now you're it's it's changed the way you approach the game
1: yeah, totally. And, and for me this year, this was the first go around in all these big tournaments It was the first time getting to know the course, getting to know, you know, what I should be doing from a preparation standpoint and from a, you know, level of exertion standpoint. So, yeah, like you said, you got to pick and choose your battles. You know, it, it's funny, you then come out and play you know, you feel like you're hitting it the same way. I play the Jones Cup. I throw up in an 80 or an 81 in the first round, but then I'll go play, you know, a tournament at a, a shorter golf course near us here. And you go out and shoot 67 and you're like, I feel like I'm hitting it the same way. Mm-hmm. The golf course is probably a little bit easier, but your, like, you said, your mindset's different. So, you know, it's, it's playing in the big tournaments and training your mindset that you should be playing well there and that there's no reason for you not to, but it's just, it's, it's set up in a totally different manner. That mid-ams specifically aren't usually used to.
0: Um, well, these are these are awesome. I'm glad you know it's it's good to actually talk about the mindset of of or how to approach a successful mid uh you know career because obviously there are a lot of great opportunities coming your way. Uh, I think you're going to be able to parlay that semifinal of uh, semifinalist finish in the US Mid-Am to a lot of great events and I I hope hope you get to go play in a lot of these like the Crump and and the the Coleman. and you know with Hagestad winning uh, I think that he is he he has probably distanced himself a little bit from the other Mid-Ams when it comes to potentially making another run at a at a Walker Cup uh, a berth for the US team in 2023 but you do have an experience of actually hitting a golf shot in front of a Walker cup captain. So you yes. are kind of on the radar somewhat <laughs> when it comes Once. to Walker cup. I mean, they've seen the action. They've seen,
1: they've seen the action. That's the a great action. way to say it. And, I, and yeah. I'm
0: sending you up because I know that there's a great story about this from the Jones cup. So we're going to close this episode out with this story. I will give, I will yield the floor. Tell me what, <laughs> tell me about this tee shot in front of
1: Kevin yes. Crosby. Yes. So Nathaniel Crosby was on the first tee at the Jones Cup. But to to give you some background of of why I was on his not on his radar um, is a little bit of a backstory that my uh, cousin and his 12 year old daughter are certainly going to appreciate. She is 12 years old. She is a very legitimate scratch golfer. Um, she I is hater already,
0: but I'd love to I have, her on yeah, the doesn't
1: everybody, trust me, if you saw her hit chip shots, you would definitely hit her. Um, uh, and you know, she'll be very successful going forward, but you know, I try to get down there to Atlanta probably three to four times a year to practice, um, at his home course, which is Ansley golf club slash setting down Creek in Roswell. And so You know, we obviously have golf matches, and we'll we'll play nine holes or 18 holes against each other, and you know, it's always just some kind of friendly wager. I pay for dinner, or her her dad pays for dinner, my cousin. And this one time, I don't know why I thought about it. I said, let's let's up the ante here. Let's let's do something that's funny that you know can affect us in in some way off the golf course. So I proposed that. The winner of the match, it was me and her father versus her and one of the pros at their course who had played on KFT. So you can clearly tell which team was more benefited yeah, <laughs> at was, the beginning of this match. Uh we You're didn't, not real we, bright, are you, Nick? I'm just No, okay. we didn't get a we didn't get enough golf shots on the golf on the card. So we so the the, the wager of this is the winning team buys golf balls for the losing team. And gets to embroider the side of the golf ball in the caveat is that you know three of us play competitive golf that the that person had to play those golf balls in a tournament so that it, it ended there so we lost the match I said I play pro VX go ahead and get me whatever you would like embroidered and we'll go So this is
0: that. you mean monogram right monogram right. Yes, okay, okay. Yes.
1: yep so I don't know what's coming. I'm getting texts, you know, for weeks to come. This was right around Christmas before the Jones Cup. and I'm getting texts of, you know, sweet kitten, soft bunny, all those kind of funny things.
0: Okay.
1: I'm like, who knows what I'm going to get. Right. So it comes to Jones Cup right before I leave. I get the golf balls in the box and I just take them and I put them in my bag and I'm on my way. So, all getting back to why I prob- probably, you know, at this juncture, we'll be making the Walker Cup in of a few course. years. Yes, you heard it here. Is, now, you heard it here first. You folks. heard it here first. You heard it here first. Is we get to the first tee, and actually the tenfold at Jones Cup, and it's me, Noah Steele, and who's obviously a stud, just won on Canadian uh, yep. Tour, as well as Will Holcomb, who, oh my god, I, <laughs> who's the, who's the greatest person of all time? We played together. That's a story for another time. I was with him What do you mean another time? Away.
0: We're gonna we're still we're not closing this episode if have you got so, a Holcomb story? I mean all right, finish I the story. Well, first. so
1: I would yeah, so I play with those two guys, and then you know, Will was making somewhat of a very legitimate run to possibly yeah. you know, if he won Jones Cup or what have you, to be on the Walker Cup team and the kid bleeds red, white, and blue. No one has to tell him that. Right. And so we're on the first tee. I take out the golf balls that I'm gonna be playing. And of course, you know, we're under the 10th, it's raining. So Nathaniel's under there, us three, a couple of their caddies and whomever the starter was at the time and said, you know, can you identify your golf ball? So I'm marking the side of it. And then I look and it's the, la- the side of my golf ball is the last name of the kid who beat me in our state amateur the earlier that year. And I look at, so like, you know, he announces my name and he's like, you know, Oh, you're Nick Macario and so on and so forth. So we're identifying our golf balls and Nathaniel's standing right there. And I look on this golf ball and I say, I'm playing a Titleist one with Organisac on the side of my golf ball. And they're giving me this look, I go, this is the name of the kid who beat me in our mid or our stadium last year. And I'm like, I lost a bet to my 12 year old cousin. And Nathaniel died laughing, which oh. made me feel more comfortable because uh-huh. I was like, "This was a time for me to be, right. you know, introduced to this guy." And then I get up to the tee box. I'm pretty sure I whipped it left into the bunkers, but that was my first my first encounter with a Walker Cup captain, which went swimmingly.
0: Uh, sounds like it. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that they've already emailed you asking for for shirt and pant sizes.
1: Exactly. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah a hundred percent so it was it was fun will and noah thought it was absolutely hilarious and um i've like i said i've known will since his uh time at the u.s am before he made this crazy run i was with him when he made two hole-in-ones in a row at pinehurst at the cradle so uh we go way back
0: that guy is uh that's a crazy i didn't i forgot about that that uh that pairing because noah Steele is in fact Noah's going to be a guest on the back of the range very soon as well i mean was so I mean, he's just an incredibly nice kid from Canada. Very. And, and then you got the Mass Mid Am, and then Holcomb, which is just you know,
1: oh my God. <laughs> he, he bleeds red, white, and blue, and Bald Eagle.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Never, never. No never other met, way to say Never it. met a duck that he doesn't want to shoot. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Um, well, Nick, um, I knew this was gonna be a good one. No doubt in my mind. Uh great stories. Uh really happy for you that uh that you had such a great year. Obviously great, you know, twenty twenty was fantastic, but but to, to cap twenty one with a with a fantastic run at the US mid uh I see a lot more in your future, sir. So I will look for you in twenty twenty two. But uh for now, I appreciate it. Thank thank you for stopping by the back yes. of the ranch.
1: No, I appreciate it. I love the episodes, and it was awesome to, to come on. So looking forward to to more lobster and steak at a future point. Boy,
0: All right, make sure you send this episode to your 12-year-old cousin, though.
1: Oh, she, I, she'll be the first one to listen.
0: <laughs> and there you have it. Special thanks, Nick Macario, for being a guest on this week's episode of the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Again, don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.